Welcome to Conscious Confidence Radio, a timeless wisdom with Sarah Main. Follow host Sarah Main on her ongoing journey of conscious confidence and gain timeless wisdom to unleash unparalleled confidence. A conscious confidence. Learn to ignite the living spark of wisdom, a new narrative for fulfillment contained in Sanskrit and the ancient, powerful, engaging, and fun conscious conversations to discover your own magnificent true self. Learn to dispel the fear shadow as Sarah provides essential knowledge about embracing change and the power of transformation. Get ready. Conscious Confidence starts now. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Conscious Confidence Radio. It's great to have you along. I'm Sarah Main, and I'm the creator and founder of Conscious Confidence, a timeless wisdom. And today I've got a very special guest, as you can see, sitting next to me. And our topic is one that's very dear to my heart, having been a teacher for 30 years, teacher of children in schools for 30 years. And my guest is Gilbert Main, and I'm going to talk about the name in a minute. My guest is Gilbert Main, and he has been a school principal for nearly 30 years. So he's got a lot of experience on the topic that's dear to my heart, which is education. And we're going to talk about education in some very broad and wonderful ways and how it links with conscious confidence, which is also a topic that's very dear to my heart. So Gilbert, his surname is Maine, and yes, he is my husband. I worked with him in a school for 30 years. And we're going to talk all about that journey and what we learned and discovered about the true principles, universal principles of education and how it links to conscious confidence and developing conscious confidence based in true being in children. So welcome along, Gilbert. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Lovely to be able to come in. And hello, everyone. So let's get started. Let's do a bit of quick fire questions, just a little bit to get to know you. So where were you born? Sydney, Australia. Okay. What's your favourite book? Uh, Human Accomplishment by Charles Murray. It's a study of genius across the ages and across cultures. And who inspired you the most in your role as a school principal or a headmaster, as we call it here? It's a bit more English in style and culture here, so... Who inspired you uh, in your role as principal? Well, when I first got the job, I went over to England because they had founded a school along the same lines over there, and it was kind of the mothership. And the headmaster of that school was a man named Nicholas Debenham, and he was a very inspiring mentor and very, very helpful on our journey of getting our school started and, and developing it on the way to um, success. And... What was the most inspiring thing that Nicholas Debenham said to you that really stayed with you and you followed? Huh. Okay, well, you would remember this because you were in the room at the same time. We went over to England to a headmaster's conference and um, he was talking to us. There weren't many of us in the room, about a dozen. And one of the headmasters was complaining about how difficult it was to get funding and the buildings and the staffing and all these sorts of things. And Nicholas Debenham just stopped him and held up his hands like this. He said, look, a school is a meeting between the teacher and the pupil. He said, that's what a school is. He said, what happens in that space between the teacher and the pupil 
is all that matters. He said, if there's love and intelligence and creativity and wisdom in that point, then everything else is fine. Every doesn't matter what else you don't have, your school will be fine. I found that very inspiring. Wow. And very simple. Wow. Because yes. all you had to do was make sure that was right. And then you didn't have to worry about the well, to worry a little about the buildings and the money and the financing. Fantastic. That's wonderful. Um, okay. So how long, in your words, how long were you principal for? Well, I, I was appointed in 1989 and I retired in 2015, so 26 years. And what did you do before you were a principal? Oh, I was a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> not a good one and not a happy one, but there you are. You can do something to fill in your time before someone asks you to become a headmaster. <laughs> and finally, what's the most important lesson that you learned as principal? I think that was the one, almost the first one I ever learned when I actually started teaching children was to be yourself. I'll, I'll, well, Nicholas Devon was very inspiring to me, so I tried to be like him. The problem with that is there's only one person on earth who's actually perfect at being Nicholas Debenham, and that's him, he himself. So trying to be him, even no matter how great he was, was no, didn't work for me at all. So there was a point in one point I was actually standing in assembly looking at the children, and I suddenly realised in a moment that that's what I'd been doing and that, that had everything had been going wrong and that I decided that I couldn't be Nicholas Stebbin I had to be someone else. And when I thought about who I could be, I'd realised in a flash of inspiration that I could be Gilbert Main and I was actually quite good at being Gilbert Main. And if I was him, then things would just sort of fall into place. And they did. <laughs> that's wonderful. That's probably a, a good uh, inspiration for how to proceed in education and teaching children. Teach them to themselves. Yes. Okay, so let's get into it. Let's get into the topic about education. And remember, this is conscious confidence. And I think there was a lot of elements in the curriculum that developed conscious confidence in the children. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the basics of education, the essentials, the, the fundamentals. Can you talk about how you see um, what you discovered about the absolute basics of education? Yeah, the thing about education is you just go to master teachers themselves to find out what they say. And one of the great sources of wisdom is the Upanishads, and in the Taittiriya Upanishad, there's a short passage that talks about education, and it says you need four things. It actually says there's knowledge on one side, uh, sorry, there's teacher on one side, pupil on the other, knowledge between, and discourse, what it refers to as discourse in this translation, joining them. So... The way you would interpret that is you need a teacher, you need staffing, you need students, and you need some form of curriculum, and then you need a fourth X factor, which is communication or flow or some sort of method for delivering that knowledge to the students. Um, and if you're missing any one of those four, then you don't have education. A student can sit in the classroom all they like, the textbooks can be full of knowledge, uh, and there can be all the technology or whatever for communication in the world, but if there's no teacher there, then not much is going to be learnt. And vice versa, a teacher walking down the street doing their shopping without any students is effectively not a teacher. So you need those four elements, a teacher, a pupil, knowledge, and some form of communication between the other, those three points. Uh, well, let's, let's unpack those four, four elements because that's very interesting. Um, and let's, I'm just going to draw this out. Notice that Gilbert referred to the Taittiriya Upanishad, and as you know, th throughout Conscious Confidence, I source everything from Sanskrit 
and reference a lot of the Upanishads and Gilbert's done the same. So the education system was founded on that very fundamental model of the teacher, the pupil, the knowledge between and then the flow, the discourse joining them. So let's just look a little bit at each of those. So tell us a bit about the teacher because you hired teachers. So tell us oh, about yeah. that. Well, th one of the key elements of teaching is you, I mean, you've got to be sort of good at it. You've got to have a knack. You've got to, you've got to uh, love the children. In primary teaching, elementary for our American friends, um, the, the love is the really important factor. You've got to actually be fond of each other. The teacher has to like the children in their class and the children have to be fond of the teacher as well and they have to respect the teacher. Uh, one of our, um, um, our teachers, one of our teachers, said without respect nothing can be learned. So if you look at yourself um, in anything you're learning, if you're even learning to drive or learning tennis or learning French, if you have no respect for the teacher, and no respect for the teacher's wisdom, knowledge, or skills, it's very, very difficult to learn from them. And that's the same for all, that's just a human trait. It's the sort of one of the key features of that communication is mutual respect. So the teacher has to be a person who's got a knack for getting the knowledge across. They've got to be fond of the children. In high school, it's a little different. If the teacher and the pupils are too fond of each other, it gets a little creepy, um, what they have to be what they have to both love is the subject. So things shift, the gears shift slightly when you get into secondary education. So that's really interesting. So you've got elementaries, um, the teacher and pupil, the love between them directly. And mm. then in high school, it's the teacher and the student loving the subject. And it seems a, a natural development. Tell us a little bit uh, quickly about the nature of the pupil, okay. the student. Well, the pupil has to be ready to learn. It's like um, pushing a piece of string. It's just going to wiggle up. Uh, you can't you can't do you can't force knowledge into someone. You've got to create the circumstances in which that pupil wants to learn. Now, most human beings, by definition, really want to learn, particularly in the early years. There's so much learning that goes on in the very very first year or two of life, and then that actually begins to slow down a little bit. But up until about the age of seven, then ten, these are milestones. You need to be getting in all the basic principles. You think of what a mother or father was teaching their child all the time. They're saying, you know, don't, uh, you know, share that with your little sister. Don't pat the cat too hard. Do you know, you're, you're not teaching them quadratic equations. What you're teaching them is basic principles of life, kindness, tolerance, courage. These are the biggies. And you've got to get that in early. But all human beings, young human beings, are like sponges. So a the nature of the pupil is they've got to be ready to learn and lucky for us, most human beings are. So let's just, and, and now let's just consider this knowledge and flow. Um, so can you, can you tell us about this? We've got this curriculum, this knowledge, this information that children are coming to school every day to learn and then the flow between the teacher and the pupil. Well, very simple about knowledge. What do you want to teach the children? You want to teach them the best most useful, most interesting things on every level, body, mind, heart and spirit. And in the communication, the teacher has to be, has to have that skill for being presented in such a way that a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old can hear and can assimilate. And what works for a five-year-old definitely does not work for a 15-year-old. <laughs> so your teacher has to be, so you have to have that specialist teachers or your teacher has to be skillful. Okay, so... Now, that's so interesting to hear this um, 
revisited this whole area of the Taitariya Upanishad with the teacher, the pupil, the knowledge and the communication flow between them and that's education. I really enjoyed this first segment, Gilbert, laying out these fundamentals. So when we come back after the break, we're going to talk about the nature of a human being itself. This is the nature of the pupil and, in fact, the nature of the teacher, but the nature of a human being because I think you have to understand that, don't you? Yes. To really know what you're teaching. So we're going to come back after a short break and discuss the nature of a human being. Is it a spiritual being or, as Shakespeare puts it, a quintessence of dust, which is it? Because depending on that, that's what you're going to educate and that's, your education systems are going to look quite different. So we'll be back in a moment. See you then. Dream on, fly high and live adventurously on The Laura Meeks Show. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio as host Laura Meeks guides you in finding your unique gifts and bringing them to life. As a certified life coach, speaker, and veteran bomber pilot for the U.S. Air Force, Laura knows how to follow a dream. She is ready to support you so you can dream on, fly high, and live adventurously. For more information on Laura and her work, visit flyhighliving.com. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit BurnBrightToday.com. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by. I am so thrilled to be talking to all of you. We have got talk radio for all of us. Are you ready and willing and able to accept all of the abundance you can muster up in your life? Check us out at drpatshow.com, transformationtalkradio.com, transformationradio.fm. Oh my goodness. Are you your story? Or can you change your story? Can you change what you believe to be true about yourself and your circumstances as part of your healing journey? What if you were to change your expectations? What if you were to invite ease and cooperation into every day and then step back and see what happens? It might just be easier. I'm Megan Edge. And I hope that you'll join me on my new radio show, Playing on the Edge, Radical Change with Ease, with my co-host, Dr. Pat, on Transformation Talk Radio. I look forward to seeing you there. Want to find out more about Megan Edge? Visit her website at meganedge.ca. Golden Otter Divinations Radio, where the metaphysical meets the mainstream with Autumn Seibel. Tune in the first Friday every month at 9 a.m. Pacific as Autumn, educator, health coach, and medium, explores metaphysical and mainstream strategies on how to elevate your level of conscious living. Draw in the abundance that is yours by divine right. For more information about working with Autumn, visit goldenotter.us. That's golden like the precious metal and otter like the precious animal.us. 
Welcome back everyone and thanks for joining us for Conscious Confidence Radio. I'm Sarah Main and I've got a special guest today. This is Gilbert Main and yes, he is my husband, hence the name is the same. Uh, we worked together in a school for about 30 years. Gilbert was the school principal and this school was founded on universal spiritual principles of education and of life and of the, na the true nature of a human being. And in this part of the show, we're going to talk about the nature of a human being. What is it? Because depending on what you understand a human being to be, that's what you'll educate and your education system will be developed uh, around that. So, Gilbert, over to you. What is the nature of a human being? <laughs> Just that's an easy question easy, to have. Easy that's right. Well, I suppose the... the this is a question that I don't think gets asked very often in education, which is what are you actually educating? Because if you're, well, I'll give you an example. We used to have two lovely dogs who've now passed to the great kennel in the sky. One of them was called Wellington. He was a beagle. And one day I tried to teach Wellington to read by getting the newspaper, getting them up on the couch next to me and going, you know, I had my finger track, tracking the letters and I got, asked him to repeat them and he never did. So Wellington never learned to read. Now, the, um, the problem with that is, one, you know, you could be saying, well, why did Sarah pick this guy to be a guest on her show if he tries to teach dogs to read? But um, the point is you don't expect a dog to read. It's not a tragedy if your dog doesn't read. But if a child gets to the age of 12 or 15 or 20 and can't read, you've got a problem. In fact, you um, some sort of intervention should be should be uh, go go into that child to make them read, uh, because we expect a a normal human being to be literate, to be able to speak, to be able to read, to to know certain basic skills, and and to be able to accomplish certain things in life, and to be a certain way as well. I mean, if they're cruel and mean and deceitful and horrible, you think, well, something's gone wrong. You know, their family, with their life with their psychology, whatever, an intervention is, is called for. But the fundamental question is, well, what, what is a human being? It's not a dog, you know, sitting, walking, rolling over, playing fetch. That's not good enough. Um, you need more. But why do you need more? And um, Shakespeare says, well, through the mouth of Hamlet, um, he's uh, Hamlet's chatting away, and he says, what a piece of work is a man. How infinite in reason, how noble in faculty, in apprehension, how like a god, etc., 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 like an angel. And then he says, Hamlet continuing, says, but yet to me, um, what is this quintessence of dust? Right? That's what, uh, so you've got this choice. Either man's, as it were, godlike, or uh, and like an angel and with apprehension and reason and all these faculties, or a quintessence of dust. In other words, a very sort of upmarket, uh, version of, of, of earth and water and the elements and in the end when it's all over you become very expensive fertilizer for the plants in the cemetery <laughs> so, um, so in relation to that so we have a spiritual being or a quintessence of dust yes and obviously this, our school was founded on a spiritual being yes how does that break down in on a day-to-day -day basis when the children turn up they unpack their bags what are they educating what what how did you actually then effect an education for a spiritual being? Well, we, we do, the fundamental of you know, knowledge, it wasn't even an assumption, we knew this to be true because we knew it about ourselves, is you have a physical body which you can see and, and, and interact with, you have a, a mind with which you think, you have um, a heart with which you feel, and a spirit which is the essence of who you really are. 
and that's true of every human being from when you know from the very beginning of, the, of their life to uh, well we would believe beyond love, beyond the end of life as well it's another story another topic but um but everyone needs educating clearly any any parent anyone in charge of anyone with a sort of custody of a child knows that the child needs food to to live they need exercise to use the food that they've eaten and they need rest so if you take that analogy for all the other bodies then the mind also needs uh, proper food good nourishing healthy food it needs ex ex the mind needs to be exercised the mind needs to be rested and then the same for the heart and the same for the spirit so our curriculum consciously included elements to feed and exercise and give rest to all the elements of a whole human being i mean for example one of the things we taught them was sanskrit and sanskrit has got that magical quality of being sort of food for the mind and the spirit and quite restful depending on how you use it and how you teach it and it's also exercise i mean it's not that easy for a five six seven year old to start mastering a foreign a different alphabet and a foreign language but we did it anyway um, we didn't believe that um, children were there just for rest, just for enjoyment. They were there to for exercise. And exercise means you have to exert yourself. You can't, you, it's not exercise if you're doing something that's actually quite easy. So Sanskrit filled in a lot of the, um, lot of the gaps. So can you tell us more about um, the heart? How did you feed or nourish the heart? How did you exercise the heart? And how did you rest the heart? that emotional feeling centre for the children? Well, food for the heart is, um, comes in very variety of forms. It comes in wonder, awe, magnificence, beauty. So with the art curriculum, with the music curriculum, with the English curriculum, with all of these elements within the, with the poetry, with the painting, with the, um, the sort of uh, exposure that the children had to the great works of human intelligence and creativity this is nourishment for the heart surround the children with beauty and surround them with wonder and magnificence then uh, so that's food for the heart exercise for the heart is that they get to they produce it themselves they write their own poetry they paint their pictures they sing uh, you were the choir mistress at the school, I believe, <laughs> and uh, in charge of uh, choral music and individual solo works and the, the music curriculum included Mozart, Handel, Vivaldi. And uh, if anyone interested in knowing how to get 100 10-year-olds singing Vivaldi's Gloria, then I refer you to, the, um, to your host, to today's host of this radio show. Probably now. She's actually very good at it. Um, there's video proof. But, uh, and who would say to us, well, isn't this, isn't this secondary subjects? I said, I wish it were. I wish the secondary schools were teaching this, but they don't. So we have to, and we want to anyway. We, we enjoyed it ourselves. Part of the reason it worked was because the teachers loved all of, the, all of the things we got them to teach. And um, what about spirit? You know, this is a, it's not the way we would normally think to nourish, exercise and rest the spirit. Hmm. Well, if you think of spirit more like who you truly are, who, who you who your being, like that example before, I was trying to be someone else mm. and then I realised that was silly. So I then relaxed into being who I was. So one of the, uh, one of the foods for the spirit is scripture, 
um, the great works. This is one of the reasons why I like that book, Human Accomplishment, because he studies the great um, master creatives across genders, across geography, across, across cultures, and compares them. And so it's actually a really lovely book in that way. But we expose the children to all of that, and that's very nourishing for the child to know who they are. But the main food for the spirit is stillness and peace. So during the day, before every lesson and after every lesson, the teachers, the children with down tools, sit quietly, close their eyes, and just have a moment of peace and stillness that um, brought them back to themselves. And in a way, it's easy with the spirit, oddly enough, because food, exercise, and rest for the spirit all more or less the same thing. It's peace and stillness. But you can also, you add to that by giving them the words of, of, of the great scriptures, the master teachers, teach them prayer, teach them meditation, which we did, and um, get them to sort of have a feeling that there is a world greater than the mere physical with which they can have intelligent, rational and, and fruitful conversation. So it's so interesting about the, the area of meditation and being and connection for the child. Um, I mean, my observation teaching was that the children, at being young, um, are naturally connected with themselves. But as they grow, like us all, these things can get clouded over and an apparent disconnection can occur just because of ideas <coughs> that we hold about ourselves and circumstances and so on and so forth. Um, but that daily, regular connection, those m moments of quiet and stillness and, and in using a modern term, mindfulness, did and uh, did have a profound effect on the child and and on the whole atmosphere and nature of the school. Um, so we're going to talk a bit more about that. But in the next segment, uh, we'll practice together as we do during the show. We'll have a short meditation exercise, a welcome to being exercise, and this is very similar to the one that we practice with the children. And the school's still going, and they're still practicing it to this day. Um, it's school holidays here in Australia at the moment leading up to Easter, so the children won't be there practising it. But all through the term throughout the day, there's these moments of stillness and it does have a profound effect on the atmosphere of the school. Do you want to say a little bit more about that? Yes, there was um, that, that we call that pausing, which was because it was a pause between activities. And the practical effect of it was it cleared the children's minds. I mean, it's a, they're children, so it's not always a perfect science and you needed a bit of a sense of humour in this regard as well, because there's no point in, again, the analogy of pushing a piece of string. The best way of doing that is for the teachers to demonstrate it themselves. For the teachers to become quite still, then the children naturally fall into that stillness that the teacher creates for them. But the practical effect in terms of just sheer academic curriculum is that children were able to do a lot more work during the day. Teachers from other schools would come and see our school and comment on this, that they teach the technical term as being on task. So the children were on task a significant and noticeable amount more than in any other school, simply because their minds were still and they were clean and fresh when they went into every new subject. So let's take a moment now. We're going to go to a break. And after the break, we're going to practice this exercise um, I call it a welcome to being exercise, but it's what we practice with the children and it's extremely powerful and profound and the children were doing this every single day and you'll get to experience it as well. Um, so we're going to take a break and then we'll be back with the next section of our show.
Thanks. Has your buzz for life buzzed off? Feeling ignored, invisible, and wondering if this is really all there is? The years go by faster as we gain momentum. You're halfway there. Are you gathering speed or puttering out? Hit your stride for the liberating half of life. Comfortable in your skin? You can do better than that. Tune in to Discovering You Again Radio every fourth Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific as host Susan Axelrod encourages listeners to decide what they want, get inspired to action, and face challenges head-on. Host Susan Axelrod pulls no punches, encouraging you to grab the brass ring and soar. For more information about Susan, go to www.whatwillyourlegacybe.com. Conscious Confidence Radio, a timeless wisdom with Sarah Main. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio and join Sarah on an adventurous journey to the deeper level of meaning to move beyond today's world of constant change, confusion, and uncertainty beyond the shadow of fear. This hit show explores key concepts such as confidence, values, and attitude in a dynamic way. To learn more about Sarah and her work, visit sarahmain.com. Is traditional medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Tune in to The Truth is Funny with Colette Steffen each Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show will have you thinking outside the box and riding the wave of infinite potential. Join Colette on the Higher Self Network, inspiring listeners to shine their brilliance and ensure success while roaring with laughter as they recognize the humor of the giant cosmic joke. Visit TheTruthIsFunny.com. And welcome back, everyone. Welcome, welcome to Conscious Confidence Radio. I'm Sarah Main, and this is my special guest, Gilbert Main. He's my husband. And we've been talking about education, diving into the universal principles of, of education. And we started with the Taitariya Upanishad. I don't know that you're expecting that. Teacher on the one side, pupil on the other, knowledge between and a flow or a discourse joining them. And that is the model of the universal principle of education. Take one of those elements out and you don't actually have real, true education. Um, and so in this part of the show, I like to do a little bit of an exercise or a guided meditation so that we all have some time in silence and peace and welcome into our being. And true being is what it's all about and true education is about educating the human being which is a spiritual being and that's what our school was founded on and so we're going to practice a little bit of the being exercise the presence exercise that we did at school every day and in fact the school's still doing to this very day um, so it's a very simple one and for children obviously very light touch nothing forced but just giving them that chance to 
come back and be with their own presence, just be with their own company and get and stay comfortable with that. Uh, doesn't matter if children wriggled, we just gently encouraged them to come back and they did definitely have a moment where they fell still and everything fell away. And as Gilbert mentioned, that's an incredibly powerful thing, cleared their mind, made them, made them very effective when it came to learning and focus. They enjoyed things much more readily. They could let things go when things didn't go so well. It had so many benefits. So let's experience those benefits too. So wherever you are, if you're driving, don't do this if you're driving, let's be safe, um, maybe pull over. But if you're sitting or you can be standing or walking or lying down, just take a moment now to connect with your true being. This is the, the truth of ourselves, our beingness, our amness, our I amness, the fundamental powerhouse of who we really are. So just take a moment now to relax. Take a deep breath in and out and let go. And just connect with the physical body. If you're sitting or standing or walking, feel your feet on the ground. Feel the clothes touching the skin. Feel the air playing on the skin, the face, the hands. If your eyes are open, just let the colour and form of shapes and impressions come and go. There's no need to label them. If the labels come, let them go. Just be present. And now let the listening be open and wide. Just let sounds come in and pass. And let the listening keep expanding past all the thoughts in the mind. And if the thoughts come in, let them go. Just stay with the listening as it expands wider and wider and wider. And let the listening expand and the awareness. And just rest with your own presence. And welcome to your true being. Lovely, thank you. Well, that's a little taste of what the children did at school. So, Gilbert, now tell us about the education itself, what they actually learned every day. Um, you mentioned before about giving them the best, and obviously for physical food, if we're talking about the physical body, we give the best food. That's obvious. If you eat junk food every day, you're not going to be healthy. Um, so, but in relation to food, exercise and rest for the, the body, but the mind, the heart and the spirit, can you talk about giving them the best? What did that look like? Oh, okay. Well, so the best food for the mind is, on as a general principle, is useful, intelligent, helpful information that uh, builds on itself. So in mathematics, obviously, you teach them to count and then to count backwards, and then you can go on to adding and subtracting, and then you can go on to division and multiplication. Uh, these are the sort of your basics. So you, um, but one of the main uh, 
I think techniques that we had that was a little different is that we taught the children by heart. So they had to memorize things. They were memorizing their times tables, memorizing spelling rules, memorizing poetry, memorizing songs, uh, so that they went into their heart as well. But uh, so the curriculum included things like language, classical languages. We taught them Latin and, and Sanskrit. We had modern languages, Spanish. And after school, we had Mandarin Chinese because where Australia is, learning about Asia and Asian languages is important and to us. And we oh, have French. French. We have French as well. Sorry, <laughs> keep forgetting all these things. There was a lot in the curriculum. <laughs> I used to have uh, Latin was voluntary up to, um, well, it was voluntary. And um, I used to have a special early morning class at eight, eight o'clock. And I used to have about 26 year olds turn up for my Latin class uh, every morning at eight o'clock. Uh, which was very enjoyable, I must say. I hope it was enjoyable for all of us, but it's certainly enjoyable for me. Uh, and then the mathematics and science, uh, of course. These were the sort of your basics, but also you wanted the, the art and the music and the uh, poetry and the, and the language to reflect the best as well. Talk about Shakespeare in relation to giving them the best. There was a big emphasis on Shakespeare. Talk about that. Yeah, one of the... Uh, one of the um, unusual features of the school is that every child had to be in a Shakespeare play every year. So from five years old to 12 years old, that was the um, span of our um, student intake, every class had to put on a Shakespeare play. So in kindergarten, it's Midsummer Night's Dream and The Tempest and The, and the Fairies and The, and the Kings and the, and the Princes. And then it got more and more sophisticated as and longer as the uh, children got older until by sixth class, which is the 12 year olds, they were putting on an hour, maybe a little longer, of um, maybe King Lear, maybe Hamlet, uh, Comedy of Errors, um, some of these, the great works. And did they enjoy it? This was, this, <laughs> according to them, I mean, according to, the teachers found it all very, very hard work. <laughs> and uh, every year, some teacher would say, can we sort of do something else? And I would say, no, you can't do something else. This is, this is, the, this is the heart of the school. Um, one of the many beating hearts of the school, but the children were, this was the highlight of their year and the highlight of their schooling. And if you, we, we meet the pupils who come back and we go to reunions, occasionally we're invited, which is very nice. And um, they will talk about their Shakespeare plays and how much they love them and they'll compare notes on which one was their favourite. And um, maybe you can tell this story about the... Uh, at the end of oh yeah there was one girl she was 12 she was in year six which is the end of primary school it's her last Shakespeare play so she'd had seven years of Shakespeare plays and she was at the in the backstage of the theatre we hired a theatre um, she's in her costume and I said are you going to get changed and you've got to get out of your costume mum's waiting and she said I don't want to take my costume off because I know once I take it off that's it it's over forever um, and she just was savouring the moment. She loved it so much. She just loved the Shakespeare. She loved the performing. She just loved everything. And Shakespeare's like that. I mean, when you link onto a master like that, you, you know, it, it has an energy. It has a profound effect. And these were children that started Shakespeare at five years old and they just associated Shakespeare with having the best time, you know, getting dressed up and doing these incredible plays. And they learned to understand the language. They learnt the power of it without it being an add-on after like an adult coming to Shakespeare. I mean, it was phenomenal, really. And the, the Shakespeare plays to this day are amazing. They really are. And, and it's just an absolute throbbing heart lifeblood through the school. And it, it comes out in their language in the playground. 
their understanding of human nature. It, it is profound. Um, so that was, you know, one example of giving them the best and it just fed them at every level of their being and exercised them. They had to work at it and then just the nourishment and exercise and then there was this sort of rest at the end of it all and it was just amazing. Um, we've got a short moment before we, we go to a break um, and I just wanted to tell you that on my website I have a giveaway it's a two video series and it's called design your own alignment plan and it's where I guide you through with videos and there's worksheets as well so you can download those and print them out and complete them and it takes this principle of the body mind heart and spirit and gives you some knowledge about how to balance and align the whole of yourself just like we were doing with the children but for you every day so that you can experience health and vitality and enthusiasm and creativity and power and confidence through alignment of your whole self, your body, your mind, your heart and your spirit. So there's a two video series on my website. Go there now. That's consciousconfidence.com, consciousconfidence.com and download for free a two video series and the worksheets for designing your own alignment plan. And I'll talk you through that. And if you like what you hear today, go to my website, consciousconfidence.com. My email's there, info at consciousconfidence.com. Send me an email. Tell me what you think. Ask me questions. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Again, ask me questions. What do you want to know? I'm very happy to talk to you, answer any questions you have. Ask me about timeless wisdom. Ask me anything. And go to my website if you want to know more about what I offer, my coaching programs, and about conscious confidence, a timeless wisdom, and about Sanskrit. So that's consciousconfidence.com. And when we come back after the break, Gilbert's going to wrap up some of the important takeaways that he had from years in the job as leader of a school, and an unusual school, but a wonderful school. So back soon. What is holding you back from living the life you are meant to live? Why is it vital to believe in something bigger than yourself? Are you in physical or emotional pain? Tune in monthly to Vibrant Purposeful Living. Awaken the vibrant life within you with Lou Paradise and Dr. Pat on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Lou's passion is to help everyone experience positive solutions for life. Find out more about Lou with Vibrant Purposeful Living at LouParadise.com. Are you done being afraid to jump into the life that's waiting for you? Are you ready for a real shift? I invite you to tune in every Tuesday with me, Tracy L, on the Tracy L Clark Show, where we will teach you how to live your extraordinary life. At 8 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio, where I will provide the tools and the steps needed to help you transcend perceived limitations and move forward with an extraordinary life. For more information, visit me at tracylclark.com. Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit JenRoyster.com for more information. Welcome back, everyone. We're 
just about to wrap up a conversation on our final segment about education. This is my guest, Gilbert Main, principal of a school, um, a wonderful school, a bit unusual, but a wonderful school in Sydney, Australia, principal for nearly 30 years, so he's got a wealth of knowledge. And uh, we've been talking about education and how it relates to conscious confidence and developing conscious confidence in the young. And the model of the school was based on the Taituria Upanishad, teacher on the one side, pupil on the other, knowledge between and a discourse or a flow um, joining all those elements together as a, as a whole, as a unity. So perhaps, Gilbert, thanks for joining us. We've had a great time. Um, it's my pleasure. <laughs> can we now talk about some of the important takeaways? Tell us about that flow. What's in that flow? Well, that's what um, a normal in any normal teaching would be called teaching practice. How, how do you actually get it across? What do you do in the classroom? And one of the things that we found was you need to get a balance of love and discipline um, in the classroom. You need to be, there needs to be an expansive, well, use an analogy. We use an analogy of the potter. Uh, a potter puts the clay on the wheel, the wheel's spinning. They have one hand that they put into the clay. That's the hand of love. That pushes outwards for expansion and for growth and uh, is a nurturing and a careful hand that pushes outwards so the child grows in wisdom and knowledge and understanding and character. But the outer hand is a very important hand as well because if you only have one hand, the pot falls to pieces, it becomes weak and it collapses in on itself, whereas the other hand is the hand of discipline and that gives the pot shape and prevents it from becoming weak and falling to pieces. So if you only have the hand of discipline, you get a hard lump of clay. And if you can see this. If you have too much discipline, human beings sort of shrinks into themselves and becomes hard and resentful and, and bitter. If you have too much love, that person becomes willful and, and, and needy and greedy and, and demanding. So you need a bit of both. And, uh, and the teacher needs to be able to manage those two very, very well in a classroom. And, uh, and the child will flourish under that, um, under that care. So that's, that's part of that uh, flow and communication, that the, that the proper mixture of love and discipline, encouragement, reward, help, support, but at the same time, pulling the child in from the more sort of outer reaches of, in terms of behaviour or whatever it is that they, they're doing that isn't very propitious. And tell us about um, what vision the teacher might have for the pupil. What does, you know... Do they have in their mind? Yeah, this is a this is an interesting one. This is everyone's sort of into this at the moment. It's called you know goal setting in in business or whatever. It's the same with teaching and probably the same with parents too. Do you what vision do you actually have consciously in your mind for that pupil? What do you want them to grow up, develop, and be? What you don't know whether they're going to be a, a mathematician or a sportsman or a woman or whatever, but that, that's a bit too detailed. But if you want them to grow up into a good, uh, cultured, civilised um, human being that can take their place in society, that can make a contribution to, and can reap a reward and can be a source of nourishment and care for others and as well as being receptive and, and interested in others as well. Uh, if, you, if that's your vision, uh, then your education will follow that naturally. You don't really have to do much after that. If you just know what the child's going to end up as, then your, your education will naturally fall into a certain pattern. And um, what about um, 
Plato, I, I know as being a staff member on your school, you talked a lot about what Plato said um, in, in terms of his advice to teachers. So how did you use yeah. that practically in Sydney, Australia, in a modern school? Oh, well, Plato's a, that's another, that's another show. <laughs> um, no, Plato's got a lot to say about education and um, all of it good. Some of it needs a bit of interpreting. But uh, one of the things he said, for example, is overcoming fear in children by um, carrying them around until they're three, by movement. It's very, and then he says you cure them of self-will by the time they're six. But he did say an interesting thing about teachers because you can fall into a bit of a trap with teachers, particularly with the discipline side of things, of, of being a rule uh, generator and an admonishment generator and a discipline generator. And Plato has very simple instruction, which is a bit sort of um, unsettling for teachers, which is don't admonish but live up to your own admonishments. If you want children to be respectful, then be respectful. If you want children to give their attention to their work, then give attention to your work. If you want children to be kind and respectful of others, then you be kind and respectful of others. If you want them to show courage, you have to show courage. And one of the people talk about children being lifelong learners, and I used to be, this wasn't a very popular move, but in the staff room, I would ask the teachers, well, are you lifelong learners? What are you doing? What, what learning are you actually doing that's, that's pushing the boundaries, that's testing you, that puts you in a position that you're putting the children in every day, which is um, learning new things and struggling with that new learning? And speaking about learning new things, it's so interesting. I mean, it's wonderful to sit and reflect on 30 years of teaching um, and have this opportunity to share it with you because it is profound and it was profound and exciting at the same time. Um, but in terms of new learning, tell us a little bit about um, what you're doing now. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, since my retirement, I, um, have, I took up the... Actually, I did this while I was still a headmaster. I've started uh, writing novels and uh, thrillers, but they do, they do contain a certain element of the... what. Um, the genre of people would call the paranormal, the things that we used to teach the children about mindfulness. Uh, I'm hoping they're not too um, preachy and, and attract. But um, I decided I would start writing. So the first book I wrote was on much of what we've been talking about, but mainly for adults, not really about children's education. And what's that called? It's called Seven Steps to Freedom, yeah. which is based on Yoga Vasishta. Yeah. And his uh, system, which starts with a good impulse and ends with limitless uh, realisation. And then the novel. And then the novel. Um, well, my wife, after I'd finished my first book, said, you should write a novel. And I thought to myself, um, nah, not really. Anyway, I went off to a writer's uh, course and I started writing and it's been wonderful. It, it really unlocked creativity and... Um, Yes, I mean, they've been quite popular by the people who've read them. And the title's Revelation of the Elders. It's book one. He's written the second one. That's coming. It's called Warriors of the Elders, but Revelation of the Elders. Both his books are available on Amazon. If you go to Amazon.com, they're available. Just look up Gilbert Main, and um, I think that'll come up uh, on Amazon, and you can get his books and download them. And then email him or contact him at his website, gilbertmain.com, that's gilbertmain.com, M-A-N-E, gilbertmain.com, and all his books are also available there. Um, it'll link through to Amazon on his website so you can get them there. And Gilbert, and Gilbert gave a TED talk, a TEDx talk a few years ago on education, 
Um, and it's really fascinating talk and it summarises much of the approach that he took at the school. So if you're interested in that, go to YouTube and look up Gilbert Main uh, TEDx and it'll come up straight up for you and that'll be a very interesting thing to read and listen to. Um, we're going to finish up soon and usually I end the show with a little bit of Sanskrit and this is Gilbert's favourite Sanskrit prayer and it's one that the children learned and one that we recited at school and it's from a very ancient um, Sanskrit work called the Yajur Veda and it's the peace prayer and the English is in heaven peace, peace in the space between, on earth peace, on the waters peace, in plants peace, in trees peace, peace in all powers, in spirit peace, peace in everything, peace alone peace, 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 peace. Om Dya Shanti Antarikshan Shanti Prithivi Shanti Apashanti Oshadhaya Shanti Vanaspataya Shanti Vishwedeva Shanti Brahma Shanti Sarvan Shanti Shanti Rewa Shanti Om Shanti 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 So thanks for joining us all today on our wonderful deep dive into education based on timeless wisdom principles and a way of educating the young into conscious confidence. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Conscious Confidence with Sarah Main. Join us next month on Transformation Talk Radio for more timeless wisdom with Sarah's exciting and innovative approach to living. Discover more joy, freedom, and step into your limitless potential. For more information on Sarah Main and her work, or to listen to past shows, visit sarahmain.com.